Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey everyone, I'm one of your hosts, Bethany Womack, here to introduce a special bonus episode of the Empowering Industry Podcast. During most episodes, you'll hear Charlie and myself talk about social media, preview the news from Empowering Pumps and Equipment, and then do an industry interview. But this is a special episode, and it's just an interview. We wanted to release this bonus content as a way to say thank you to all of you for listening and to help out those of you who are looking at how to create virtual trainings and events during and beyond the current pandemic. You're about to hear Charlie interview Chris Kremitzos, founder and CEO of PodFest Multimedia Expo. He has facilitated over 2,000 events that have brought together business owners towards economic growth. In the interview, you'll hear Charlie talk to Chris about moving in-person trainings and events to a digital space and how that could be successful. And we felt like this topic was especially relevant today heading into our busy trade show season for this industry. For more information on Chris's trainings and events, check out links in the show notes. Chris is also hosting a masterclass this Saturday, May 16th, on how to start, grow, and monetize your podcast, so make sure to check on that link in the show notes as well. Just a couple more things before we get to the interview. Please do us a favor and rate and review the podcast, and then subscribe so that we show up in your podcast feed every Monday with new episodes. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Tag us at Empowering Pumps using the hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast, or email us at podcast at empoweringpumps.com. Okay, without further delay, here's your interview. Hey, Chris, welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so Chris, tell everybody, kind of introduce yourself, let them know who you are and what you do. So I I mean... At the core, I build uh, systems and communities for people to kind of transact business and get to know each other. So I I run PodFest Multimedia Expo as well as VidFest, and that's where a lot of business owners show up and learn about podcasting and YouTube and how to get the most out of their marketing. So why did you decide to have a event, a you know live event for podcasters? You know, a few years back, I noticed that a lot of podcasters were getting online and there was no education on how to grow their audience or monetize. And there was just a lot of, there was a, a need for them to come together and come share notes. So we started PodFest, uh, I think about seven years ago now. And since then, it's become a major industry event because of the need for podcasters to connect with each other. Yeah. So, so Chris, I was just recently telling you a little bit about our podcast. We started it a couple of weeks back now. And, you know, so we're in, we missed, you know, the opportunity to talk with you before we got started. But to the point, you've got kind of several levels at your event. And so we're in the level of, okay, now we, we have one. Uh, we want people to see it and find it interesting. And then also, you know, make sure that we're connecting with the readers and sharing what they want, right? Yeah. So that's our core audience. So beginners, we have a few of our core audience are people that have already started something and now they're like, how do I grow it? How do I make it a major part of my, you know, niche, industry, audience, whatever you want to call it. And that's where we really excel on the education front. We're launching a masterclass this week called podfestexpo.com forward slash masterclass. 
for people to learn how to grow what they already have as well as monetize it. That's fabulous. And sounds like something I need to sign up for. So Chris, when you, when you, I guess right now we're, we're shifting a little bit from live events to virtual, but podcasting is always this virtual feeling. What is something that you can tell? I don't want to take all your, you know, gifts and, and, uh, you know, trainings away, but what's a tip that you could give somebody who has already started and they, you know, want an effective podcast? So for podcasting, most people I would tell them is to pivot their name. They usually get the wrong name when they start. And what I mean by that is they create a name that they think is really catchy, but it's not what people are searching. So for instance, I have a friend of mine who's a produce broker and he started the Millennial Boom podcast for millennials. And he's like, this is for my industry, for them to learn about millennials and how to deal with them. And I said, well, tell me more about your industry. He said, my industry is produce and we deal with the supply chain and we deal with farmers and we deal with all these big companies and supermarkets and all that. So we rebranded it to the produce industry podcast and he's within a month, he became the top leader in podcasting and the authority for his industry. So a lot of people just don't name their podcast right if they're looking for a specific audience. So I would tell people, think about the audience you're trying to serve and grab it in a way that people would search it and say, oh, that's me. Let me listen to that. Yeah, I think we lose that in a lot of different ways. Like when, even when we're creating websites, right? We, we just forget like, why are people out there looking for you? And so we, we just go back to kind of SEO or, or Google search to your point uh, and say, okay, that audience needs to come to you for the right reasons. Not because they you know, want to know more about millennials in that case, but they want to know more about produce. So I think that's super interesting. So before this, before you became this awesome podcaster and full of advice and all, what, what were you doing? Well, I want to be very clear. I have a podcast, but that's not what I do. What I do is I own trade shows. So that's how I make my money. So I have a trade show that caters to the podcasting audience and a trade show that caters to the YouTube on-demand video audience. So that's how I make my living. Now, do I have podcasts? Absolutely. I have podcasts that deal with early development childhood. So it's called the Kid Friendly Network. And we have eight shows for children. And that's that, awesome. Yeah. Well, I developed that because I saw a niche for young kids. And now because all the parents are homeschooling, that's become very big. Eventually that network uh, was created so I could then give it to a bigger network so they could do more with it. But we own Kid Friendly, Joke of the Day, Geography, History, kid-friendly. I mean, there's a lot of them. But anyways, about seven or eight shows, dinosaur fun facts, stuff that kids like, Disney fun facts. So what I do for a living, and then this is how I describe it, if you go to an airport, an airport itself is a hub that connects brands. That's what I do. So I'm a super connector under the trade show umbrella that connects a community and brands together once a year at my trade show. So now my trade show, we were very lucky. We were one of the last ones out before everything shut down. So now what we're doing is quite a few virtual events to fulfill that information gap. However, what I'm noticing is a lot of people don't understand virtual because what they're doing is they're just throwing stuff up against the wall for people to consume. We're taking a much measured approach. So our virtual summit coming up, literally we're teaching people how to use Reddit to grow their audience, how to use uh, YouTube comment threads to grow their podcasting audience, how to use $1 a day Facebook ads targeting a guest that you had on your show for the life of that interview to grow your audience. So a lot of really specific niche items. Uh, and then we're also teaching how to monetize your show. Like how do you, if you have a niche audience like you do, Charlie, how do you take a sponsorship deck and market it 
and charge a premium. So we have a lot of those kind of podcasters. We have one gentleman that has a private club radio. He deals with every uh, uh, private club manager in America, and one out of two have his book on his desk. So he has a very different niche than the mass consumption model, which is what I would call the radio model, and that's where people charge CPM, cost per milieu, which is a French word for a 1,000, cost per 1,000 clicks or, or downloads. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, you know, that niche and figuring out what to charge is different. You know, we're we're lucky in the fact that we have you know several different programs where we we have partners in our industry. So we we connect with them and, and share their content on their behalf. So it feeds into our model very well as far as the niche and being able to promote them in another way. But you've already kind of taught me some things on this podcast to, you know, help me think through like what do we want to do next and basically what we're trying to do is, you know, learn and connect with people that appreciate digital media. And I think that we waited for a while to create a podcast because I didn't want to just create a podcast to go with the flow of digital. I wanted it to be something that that mattered and stood out and people would listen to and be what we say is we connect, inform and educate. So we're master connectors too. We build that community and audience. And then for I guess the shift now from a live event, and thankfully you got to have your conference. I did see that it was in March before this happened, but I think that just really right now we're thinking, okay, what, what do we do to get back to basics, right? Like what were we trying to accomplish and were we on the right path? And for us, this is just another way we connect people and inform them and educate them. So easy for us to continue with podcasting, but what do you think? you know, next step here, I know you're doing the masterclass. We'll we'll definitely link to that in our notes is for somebody who who's in trade shows, you know, we go to trade shows on a monthly basis for our industry. It could be water, it could be oil and gas, but we're going to these trade shows and events. How are you going to do that? Like hands-on element that you're not going to get through a virtual conference? Uh, You know, I'm formulating a lot of my thoughts on that right now. So one of the things that I've noticed is people can't really sit in front of the computer for as long as let's say when you go to a trade show, you're standing, you're walking around, you might go into a breakout room to learn something, you might see some friends, you might go have dinner. It's very tough to duplicate that. So what I would tell people is don't try and duplicate it. Look at what the advantages are in virtual and try to functionalize that art form to the best that you can. So what I mean by that, virtual, we know that we have a limited time span for the individual's attention. So like what we're doing is we're really limiting our education. In other words, if I'm doing right now for our masterclass, the the presentations all start with people's PowerPoint slides up. Visually, you could see what you're about to learn. So there's no wasted time of people talking about themselves. And then we dive into the content immediately. So let's say someone's wasting an hour, it's taking us 20 minutes to get through that and even more content. So we're very conscious of the hour. So then if I have sponsors, the way I could promote them is they would pay me an amount of money and I would give them maybe a three or five minute slot to make what they do interesting. And I would put it in between my presentations uh, and the content. So that way they get some coverage. As far as moving forward, there's an app that I use called Whova, W-H-O-V-A. I'll be seeing if I could integrate that to create. That's probably the closest I've ever seen of any app that could create somewhat of a personal experience within a virtual space. 
Yeah, I'm looking at that too for our Empowering Women's event. We're going to make that a virtual event. It was going to be in October, which I know it seems like we'll be back to normal in October, but we want to push it up and really try to help some people understand the virtual event community. And Wuva, that app, I, I agree. I used it in March at Energy 2.0 and it did. It connected us. It was a way to like get to know somebody really quick because it has all your little information in there. And then you're going to like look for them in different places as far as the sessions go or, or interacting with them online somewhere else. Yeah, I, I've used it twice. I loved using it both times. I integrated it with Eventbrite. What I would say is that's probably the best tool I've seen. I'm going to be trying a virtual event with Whova sometime either this year or early next year to see if I could get people kind of creating that atmosphere. But I'm going to be selling tickets into my live event, which will be May of next year. So I do have an event in October in Arizona. Right now, I'm talking to another provider tomorrow, and they'll be doing, they're offering coronavirus testing right at the front gate of the event in real time. So then we know who has it, who doesn't. So it's just a safety mechanism that is being rolled out. So there's a lot of really great things happening. What I would tell people when it comes to audio and on-demand video is there's two things I would be aware of. And let, let me define a couple things. There's streams and downloads. And a lot of people confuse the two. So a stream is someone listening to something that's playing and maybe they'll listen to two seconds or three seconds and they're kind of scrolling through their feed and they're hearing something that's streaming. A download, like a podcast or a YouTube video, is something I find and I download it and I usually listen to the majority of it. And people get the two confused. So for a podcast, if I'm going to the Apple Store or one of my podcast players and I'm downloading a file to listen, that's worth a lot more than a stream. And I always uh, explain it this way. If I'm walking through a mall, the stream is kind of the guy that has the kiosk that's yelling at you as you're trying to get to the store you're trying to go to. And that's a stream, right? And you, you, they might get a couple people, but by the majority of people, they're not going to grab. A download is when I go, let's say, into Macy's and I go to the cologne counter. I, I, that's a download. I'm, I'm specifically going to buy something and I'm going to a specific area. So um, downloads are much more valuable. And that's why podcasting, on-demand podcasting and on-demand videos like YouTube are extremely valuable. Awesome. Well, I look forward to learning more about that. We just got into really utilizing our YouTube channel. So you mentioned something about the comments and, and what we need to do there. I, I know I need to learn a lot in that area. What is as far as, you know, our listeners and and that's more on the industrial uh, engineering manufacturing sector. You know, do you have a niche, by the way, as far as the people that come to these events? Uh, anything like what you just mentioned is pretty much our, uh, we have a lot of those kind of characters. So none of, like uh, we had a guy out in Houston that I talked with that does oil and gas. So anyone that's really niched already does really well. So we have a gentleman that does the horse radio network. So he owns the world of horses, the guy with the private club radio. We have a guy that owns the drone space. So believe it or not, like each niche is owned by somebody. And those are the people you want to collaborate with because they all have the clues and the, the, the information you need to grow because they're all growing within their niches. That's very cool. Yeah. To think about. Uh, and so it, trying to, to grab onto that niche and of empowering pumps and equipment, right? That's our audience here. People that have already gotten started and we have a lot of them. I was actually being guests on other people's podcasts, right? In our industry, that advice is kind of take that next step is to really dive into your marketing plan and understand who you're trying to reach. Yeah, I mean, that's that's extremely important. And um, with audio, 
or with video. It's all about growing. Like for YouTube, you want to grow your subscriber count. And people don't even know what that is, but that's when you hit the subscribe button and you subscribe to a channel. I mean, we don't really realize people in the professional space are only now because of the coronavirus getting into all this stuff. So that's right. we've seen an explosive growth because I know you probably, if you're using tools that you're using, you use Zoom, I use Zoom, but before six months ago, only 10 million accounts were active. Now it's 200 million. So it tells you how many people were not using Zoom. That's right. Or or embracing digital technology at all. At all, right. So this is this has brought everybody kind of on, on some kind of level footing. The people that are going to succeed are the people like yourself that are catering to niche marketplaces through these niche platforms. And you control the platform, which is very, like buying radio time is such a waste for a niche platform. Like when podcasting came out, one of the fastest growing podcasts was this old couple talking about RVs. And if you want to think about it, why did that explode so quickly? Because everybody in RV is driving somewhere. There's no radio station that has anything talking about RVs. So right. you find a podcast and all of a sudden the, this nice old couple became the voice of the entire RV generation making all kinds of money. So it's just interesting how these niches happen. Yeah, I, I love it. And I, you know, I tell you, so I, you know, nine years ago, I started my company, Empowering Brands is what the company name is now, but uh, it was Empowering Pumps LLC. And we started that to educate people in our industry on social media. And there was no social media then, right? Not in our industry. We were just seeing people kind of play with it. And so now fast forward 10 years later, and it's like everyone is on, on understands that they need to be on social media but they don't really necessarily have a strategy for that either. So similar to this with the podcast is, you know, we, we know we need to be on there, but I wasn't going to launch it until I had that strategy and make sure, you know, I was trying to, you know, that I was reaching the right audience. Now, the other side of that is that I don't know what's good. So Bethany's helping me a lot with that. And she's the, the producer editor. And, you know, when she gets into like how things sound or, you know, I'm like, I have no idea. And so I'd ask you, is it, is it, how important is this as far as sound and, you know, your personality there versus like the content that's being shared or the people that you interview? It depends if you're doing what you're doing, which is uh, featuring to a specific market segment. It doesn't, doesn't really matter because more than likely right now, there's no competition. You definitely want to get good as you, you go along because competition will pop up. As far as the quality of your sound and your equipment, that's extremely important because people have to digest your information and they're gonna they're gonna judge you on it. So yeah, you want to be you want to spend some time on the tools. I have editors, so I don't even trust myself doing any of the technical side. So I, you know, yeah, I have a lot either. of friends that always ask me, "How do you do this and that?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And they're like, "But you're the expert." I'm like, no, you're confusing a couple of things. I'm the guy that runs an event. And I help everybody with the marketing stuff. But when it comes to the technical, I'm not the expert. So people always ask me, how do I get so many people to do things for me? And I always say, I pay them. And they laugh, but I'm being serious. Like I get there's a time to barter and trade, but if I need something done, I will pay someone to do it. So it's a unique philosophy, but it gets things done quicker. Yeah, I agree with that. We, you know, anytime there's a volunteer or we've even looked at doing some nonprofits and things where you have to have a committee agree and do things. And that's too slow for me for one. And, and plus I, I want it done. Right. And I want it done like yesterday. So um, I'm I'm the same boat there. Well, okay, Chris. Well, I, I thank you for joining me uh, and getting to know you a little bit more. Is there anything you, you know, thought about as we were talking that you wanted to share? 
Uh, I would just tell people, I wrote a book called Start Ugly, which is basically get started and don't waste any time thinking. So if it's something that you want, it's a really great book. Uh, it helps you really challenge the way to look at getting things started and getting things going. So if you just go to Amazon, look up Start Ugly, highly recommend it. It's a very easy read. It's written in a parable fashion with the fictional character and story. And then it's got some really great real life case studies in the back of the book. So that's just something I would recommend for anyone looking to make a change. Um, check that book out and uh, give it, give it, a, give it a read. It sounds great. I, I I love anything that says take a risk and go and let's let's do it now. So I'll check that out and uh, I'm, I look forward to meeting you hopefully in the coming times when we can get back together. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, thanks. And that's a wrap for this special bonus episode of the Empowering Industry Podcast. We'll be back every Monday with new episodes. But if you want to continue the conversation with us before then, you can tag us on social media at Empowering Pumps using the hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast or email us at podcast at empoweringpumps.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next Monday with a full episode. And until then, be empowering.